morning, church family. Our uh, sermon this morning comes from Acts 10, starting at verse 9. We're in the middle of a really exciting story, which we read all of last week and will not read all of this week. We'll just read the section that I'm preaching on. I think it's verses 9 to 23. You got a page number yet, Vic? 1707. So Cornelius has been praying. He's a soldier in the Italian regiment. And an angel has appeared to him and told him that the Lord's heard his prayers. And his gifts to the poor have come up like a sweet offering before the Lord. And the angel said, send to Joppa for a man named Peter, who's staying with Simon the Tanner. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We've come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who's respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to have you come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. The word of God. Somebody said to me this morning before the service about this text, isn't it just so comforting to see how God's orchestrated all of the details and is pulling them all together? Calling one, calling another, speaking here, speaking there. Gives you this comfort to know your life when you're following him is in his hands. I'm mentioning that now because that's not a part of my sermon, but I thought that was a really beautiful thought. 
I want to start with a short story that I think some of you, it's true, but you might find it a little laughable, if not unbelievable. Uh, but I assure you that this is true. I was about 17 years old. I was working at McDonald's, and about 11.30 at night, we closed at midnight. The last two hours are usually dead slow. And uh, 11.30 at night, I was in the back of the kitchen cleaning down the bun cabinet, which is about this big, and so just wiping it out, stainless steel, wiping all the crumbs out on the inside. And uh, out of the corner of my eye, I see two men coming, running running in out of the back room with uh, bandanas around their 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 mouths and guns in their hands and uh, everybody get on the floor it's an armed robbery or i don't know they maybe they didn't say it's an armed robbery but they say, everybody get on the floor and uh, one guy goes running up to the front of the cash and the other guy goes into the the room with the safe which was right beside me where where i'm at with the bun cabinet like three feet away and i keep wiping the bun cabinet and everybody else is on the floor and i remember that my very first thought when i saw them was huh I wonder if, like, this is a test, and McDonald's is staging this to see how we'll react. I'm serious. And so I kept wiping the bun cabinet. And our safe was really, really hard to open. It was real finicky. And so he, Chandra, the manager, had to try three times before she was able to get it open even, which took about five or six minutes. But somewhere around the two to three minute mark, Everybody's on the floor. He's yelling at her. The other guy up front's yelling, and I'm still wiping the bun cabinet. And finally, the guy turns to me, and he goes, he puts the gun to my head, and he goes, what are you doing? Get on the floor! And I was like, okay. (laughs) So, you might listen to that and say, well, that was a shock reaction. Uh, Maybe, a little bit. I didn't feel any shock. It just did not fit into my worldview that I would be a part of an armed robbery. I could not conceive of it. It wasn't real. There's a guy standing beside me with a gun, and I'm not feeling threatened because armed robberies and guns at my head don't happen in my worldview. Okay? The point of this is there are some things that can happen or be spoken or be told that just won't get through unless there's something extreme like a man with a gun right at your head pointing at, you know, and saying, what are you doing? Get on the floor because of our worldview. Visions and trances don't happen very often. They still happen. I know multiple people that have experienced something like this, but they aren't commonplace. God gives Peter a vision or a trance because there's something that does not comport with his worldview. He's heard Jesus say the same things over and over and over, and yet his worldview is so strong that even though he recognizes the voice of the Lord, he says, surely not Lord, right? So he can discern that this is the voice of Jesus. He's still saying no. No, God. No, 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 no. And you could say, well, maybe he thinks it's a test. You know, Peter's been through this threefold thing before. Denied Jesus three times, he's been restored three times. But that'd be really poor discernment because if he knows the character of the Lord, God, although he does allow us to be tested, never would tell us to do something that's sinful. He would not tell us to do something he didn't want us to do. So why is Peter saying no? It does not comport with his worldview that God 
loves everybody. Okay? So what is this bit about clean and unclean? Real quick, when God first said, I'm going to not allow this world to go to hell in a handbasket, but I'm going to redeem it. He chose one man, Abraham, and from him, Israel. And he had to set them apart from the nation so that the nations would know that there's a true and living God and what he's like. And so he gave them laws. And he did give them some laws about cleanliness and purity. And that included some foods they shouldn't eat. Not because the foods were necessarily unclean. God made them. But because he wanted a people set apart for himself. Now God's reached this point where he's made all people clean through Jesus. And so he's announcing to Peter, everybody's clean through me. And Peter can't get it. Three times, over and over and over. And I think just before I move on from here, there's something small that's really, really worth drawing out. It's a question. To point out this, the the revelation that God's giving Peter is new to him, but it's old when you look at Scripture. It's new to Peter, but it's not new. It's new news about God and his heart and his intentions to Peter, but it's not new. And so the question is, how many things might there be for each one of us that are new, that are old. New, that God might be trying to communicate to us, but we can't hear. We can't hear maybe a way that God wants to speak, a way that God wants to interact with us or work through us, a way that, because it's not within our worldview of what God is like. Well, these Gentiles that God is declaring clean to Peter, that's us. And so at first glance, it seems like, well, do we need that same revelation? What do we need to hear from this passage? And I think maybe we would think we don't, but I think it's always wonderful to be refreshed. And so let's just hear again. That God's announcement to Peter is everybody is welcome in the kingdom of God. Everybody is invited, in fact, urged to come into this new creation that's been begun through Jesus' death, Jesus' resurrection, and Jesus' ascension. He reigns over a new kingdom, one which he'll bring in full when he returns. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter your color, your race, your religion. Hindus are welcome. Buddhists are welcome. Atheists are welcome. Satanists are welcome. Everybody is welcome into the kingdom of God. In fact, they're urged to come in. And if you come in, you're all coming in through the same door. There's one door into the kingdom of God. And his name is Jesus Christ. He said, I'm the way. I'm the truth and I'm the life. Anyone wants to come to the Father, he'll come through me. 
So everybody's welcome, everyone's urged, and we're all coming through the same door. And if we're coming through that door, we're all coming the same way or we're not coming. And that way we're coming is repentance and faith, which includes obedience. Repentance means turning around. It means I'm not my own anymore. I'm going to stop living my life on my terms the way I want to. I'm not Lord of my life. I'm not king of self. Jesus is. All are welcome. Jesus is the door. And the way we get in that door is repentance and faith. It's pretty simple, but it's beautiful. It's glorious because it means it doesn't matter what our track record is. It doesn't matter what stains we got on us. It doesn't matter how much we screwed up or messed up or failed in the past. He takes our shame away. He redeems. He changes. He heals. That's his announcement to Peter. And all of salvation history hinges on Peter accepting this announcement. And so will he accept it? Well, you know the answer, but before we go to that answer, I want to, I think it's really important for us to notice something. The text says at noon, he went up on the roof to pray. Roofs were flat, a really common place to rest. Um, they had often had awnings. Uh, you can imagine it's right on the Mediterranean Sea. Nice breeze. Good place to pray. But noon, Peter goes up on the roof to pray. Well, Jews had regular hours set aside for prayer and noon was not one of them. So what does this tell us? Peter's a man of prayer. Peter hungers to pray. Peter wants to be with the Lord. And so we should notice that even though God has got to give something spectacular to get through to him and change his worldview, that that thing that God gives, the guidance God gives, comes in the context of prayer. Comes in response to Peter coming to the Lord. And who knows what Peter was praying about. He's been in Joppa with Simon the Tanner for a number of days. Maybe it was, Lord, what next? Lord, where are we going? This isn't his hometown. He's an apostle sent by Jesus. And so guidance, notice this, guidance comes in the context of prayer. I like to say it this way. Prayer places us in the sweet spot to hear and be directed by the Lord. Prayer places us in the sweet spot to hear and be directed by the Lord. And what I'd like to really notice for a minute is that this is normal Christian living, to hear, to receive guidance, and be directed by the Lord. I want to I wanna, um, just remember the words of several psalms. I actually printed them off, but I left them at home, so we're going to have to try and go by memory here. Uh, Psalm 18. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Psalm 32. You'll hear a voice saying, this is the way, walk in it. I'll, I'll, no, that's different. That's Isaiah. Psalm 32 is, I'll teach you and instruct you in the way you should go. Psalm 145. The, the Lord is near to those who call on him to all who call on him in truth. And then it goes on to talk about how he answers prayers. 
Moses sought the Lord for guidance and the Lord said, strike the rock and water will come out. Okay. Prayer is this place where we as followers of the Lord go when we need help. It's this place that we go beyond what we need help, but it's where we go specifically when we need guidance and guidance comes sometimes when we need it. Sometimes it comes later, but prayer is that sweet spot of seeking and receiving guidance from the Lord. And so now, now this question, what happens when the guidance is something that we're not expecting? Peter's not expecting to hear the gospel's open to the whole world. Go to the Gentiles. They're clean. And so the NIV text says, while Peter was wondering, but that word wondering is a poor translation. It's really, that, that, that makes it seem, oh, you know, it's just kind of, I'm wondering about this vision I just had. I mean, it could be really light or you could, he's wondering, wondering is not a deep word, but the, the, the real meaning of the word there is he was intensely pondering. It's kind of like he's agonizing over. So he's not left the place of prayer. Prayer isn't just talking to God. Prayer is this communion, this meditating, this word in one hand, spirit in the other, presence of the Lord, talking, listening, pondering, wondering. It's a relationship. Peter's intensely puzzling over the fact, what do, what do you mean, Lord? What do you mean? And it's, again, notice, it's then that the Spirit speaks. Prayer is the sweet spot. Peter's intensely wondering. He's giving God devoted attention, devoted time. God's spoken. He's taken it very seriously. He doesn't understand it. It's confusing. It doesn't make any sense. But he is honoring what's come. And in that place of honoring and continuing to seek after the Lord comes the word of the Holy Spirit. Peter, three men are coming downstairs. I've sent them. Go with them. We all need guidance and we need it more than we know. Guidance from the Lord, friends, and clarity when we don't know what that guidance means, will come to us as we place ourselves in this sweet spot regularly and as we press into the Lord in prayer. And so I want to leave us with two questions. Not quite at the end here, but close. Are we, first of all, are we those who inquire of God? Is prayer for us more than talking to God? But is it also asking of him, Lord, what is your will? Lord, what's your timing? Lord, this desire is on my heart and your word says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. But I need you to guide me. I need you to show me when and how. I need to know You said this is the path. Walk in it. Lord, guide. Are we those who ask or inquire or seek after the Lord in prayer? 
And secondly, how will you respond? How will I respond when we get guidance that doesn't make sense? Ann and I heard a couple of years back, true story, Christian man, Grand Rapids, driving down the road, past a convenience store, and he has this thought pop into his head. Go into that store and stand on your head, like do a headstand. Well, this is a mature man. This is a mature man of the Lord who knew the Lord's voice. And so despite all of the foolishness involved, he went into the store and he walked by the clerk and he said, excuse me for a moment, real sheepishly, and he got down on the floor and started to do a handstand. And the clerk started to bawl and said, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? And he said, I felt God tell me to come in here and do it. And she said, I just cried out to God and I said, God, if you're real, send somebody in here to stand on their head. Strange. Strange guidance. New, maybe new revelation. Unless you're familiar with the God of the Old Testament who asked Ezekiel to lie on his side for 390 days. Who asked Isaiah to walk around naked for three years. Who commanded Hosea to marry a prostitute. Who told Moses to hold out his staff over a sea in front of a million and a half people and it would part. Who told Gideon to go into battle against an army of 180,000 armed men with 300 men and no weapons. Who told Jehoshaphat to march out against an army 10 times the size of his and put the praise team out front. Maybe not so strange. Imagine if all of God's people were those who would seek after, inquire, listen to the Lord, and when His guidance comes, press further into Him, seek clarity, and obey what the fruit would be. We, church family, are growing to be those people. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are growing us as men and women and children of faith. You are growing us as men, women, and children who hunger and thirst after you and your ways. And Lord, we ask that in the weeks and the months ahead, that you would cause us to be more and more familiar with your ways and your voice. And God, help us to pray. I pray, keep 
Satan away from us, that there would be no guilt, no burdens on us when we struggle. You're a good father. And so, Lord, keep just keep inviting and strengthening our inner being, strengthening our prayer lives, and helping us to be those who seek, hear, and obey. In the name of Jesus, amen.